Welcome back to the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. I am your host, Joe Deluizio. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for those who listened to episode one, who shared episode one, gave me some feedback. It was greatly appreciated. For the newbies, welcome to the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Let's get right into it. Quite frankly, there is nothing better than watching your team play Thursday night football You start the regular season, you kick off the 2019 NFL season, and you open it up with a win. Because then Sunday comes around, and you get to sit back, you get to relax, stress-free, no screaming, you really don't care what's going on. Well, I'm going to be honest, I'm rooting for the Falcons because I don't want to see the Vikings win. I'm rooting for the Arizona Cardinals because I don't want to see the Detroit Lions win. But for the most part... My Sunday consisted of just eating, relaxing, throwing back a couple beverages, and enjoying the action. And let me tell you, there was plenty, plenty of action. And I have some week one takeaways. And I know it's week two. Week one is in the past. Teams have moved on. They're looking ahead. It's week two. But don't worry, I have that covered. Later in the podcast, we'll get into week two, of course, This is a Packers podcast. We will get into the Packers-Vikings matchup. But first, a couple of takeaways from week one. And and let's begin. This is going to be a little rapid fire. I'm not going to dive deep into every game, but a few things that, that really stuck out to me. Let's start with the Browns. The good old Brownies. What the heck happened to the Browns? Here was a team where Vegas set their under over to, what, nine and a half, ten wins? And they got completely outplayed and demolished by the Tennessee Titans. What happened to the Browns? Not the way you wanted to start what was supposed to be, what's supposed to be a big season for Cleveland. What a terrible effort. Baker Mayfield looked horrible. He struggled. He turned the ball over a lot. Bottom line, that team was not disciplined at all. They, too many penalties. I don't know what happened. I did not expect such a poor effort from the Browns against the Tennessee Titans who, I mean, let's be honest, they're not the best team in the AFC. Maybe they're a fringe team, but if the Browns are expected to have as good of a season as uh, they're projected to have, you got to take care of the Titans. You just got to. Didn't get that done in week one. How about the Miami Dolphins? I think we could pencil in the Miami Dolphins as the worst team in the NFL. I mean, seriously, did they even get, did they even show up? Were those professional football players underneath those helmets? That was disgusting. The Miami Dolphins, they made Lamar Jackson look like an MVP candidate. And I was wrong. I'll be the first one to admit it. I don't think Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback. Maybe he listened to a podcast that I've done before. Probably not. But he torched that defense. And right after, you see, reports that players are reaching out to their agents. They want out. You want out after week one? Yikes. It's going to be a long season in South Beach. The New York Jets. Let's stay in the AFC East. The New York Jets, a 16-0 lead. Everything is going pretty solid. They're winning the turnover battle. C.J. Mosley looks like a beast. And then it all spirals out of control. Slowly but surely, the Bills start coming back. 
a score here, a score here, a score here. The next thing you know, they drive down the field. They get the ball, score a touchdown. Josh Allen leads his team down the field 17-16. to They make a stop on defense. They win the game. What on earth is going on with the New York Jets? Inexcusable. Another team that had high expectations, Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell. C.J. Mosley looked phenomenal. He goes down, the defense falls apart. That secondary was Swiss cheese. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. Now you find out Quincy Inunua, he's out for the year with a neck injury. Le'Veon Bell, he's nursing a shoulder injury. How about their quarterback, Sam Darnold, out for Monday's game with Mono. Could potentially miss four to six weeks. Could start penciling off the Jets as a... uh, as a top five pick in next year's draft, that's for sure. Patrick Mahomes. My goodness, this guy is still God. He he started the season exactly where he left off. 378 yards, three touchdowns. He loses Tyree Kill. Sammy Watkins, he looked healthy. He looked dominant. Mahomes gets banged up early. He comes back. This offense is explosive. And Mahomes is special. He's the future of the NFL. Let's head to Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys. Zeke finally gets paid. Somebody else is looking to get paid, and that man is Dak Prescott. 25 of 32, 405 yards, four touchdowns. Dak dominated. Dak dominated and wanted to prove to Jerry Jones, hey, I'm next. And he did that against the New York Giants, who, by the way, By the way, the New York Giants, come on. You got a guy in Saquon Barkley, one of the best running backs in the NFL, only his second year, and he gets 15 touches. Meanwhile, Zeke, who spent the entire offseason up until about a week and a half ago in Cabo, ends up getting more touches than him? How does that happen? This loss wasn't on Eli Manning. The Giants' defense is terrible. Eli really doesn't have any targets to throw to. And you don't give your best player, Saquon Barkley, the ball more than 15 times? I don't know what more to say about that. Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. They were down 18, come storming back in the fourth quarter against the Detroit Lions. They go into OT and tie. Yep, they tie. What a terrible result by the Detroit Lions, who should be leaving that week one matchup 1-0. They choked that one away. A bad timeout late. On a third and one. Matt Patricia just sitting on the sideline trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Kyler Murray wasn't that impressive early on. Got it together late and helped lead his team. They didn't get the victory, but a tie. I'm really intrigued to see how he performs throughout the season. The New England Patriots. Do I even need to speak about the New England Patriots? Do I need to waste my time? They're going to win every game, cancel the season. Just cancel it. What's the point? Give them another Super Bowl. It's coming anyway. Complete domination over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Game of the week had to be the Texans against the Saints. Those final two minutes, that was electrifying. Deshaun Watson, another quarterback who's going to be there for a while. Please do me a favor, Houston, though. Get some protection for Deshaun Watson. This guy was getting mauled. He's not going to survive the whole year. He will not survive the entire year if he continues to get hit the way he did on Monday night. But he's special. But Drew Brees proved to everybody once again why he is an eventual Hall of Fame quarterback. The minute he retires, pencil him in. 
Drives the team downfield to set up the winning game-winning field goal. Will Lutz, money from deep. Money from deep. What a game. And we finish week one with the Oakland Raiders. Antonio Brown, who? Derek Carr and the crew say, hey, forget you, A.B. The crowd had some interesting words to say, too. I'm not going to repeat it on the podcast, but they, they let him know how he, they felt about him during that game several times, several chants, but a good first W for the Oakland Raiders as well. But we're on to week two of the NFL season, Packers-Vikings. I know, you tuned in because you wanted to hear about the Packers. Well, don't worry, I, I had to talk about everybody else too. But from here on out, we're talking Packers football. Until my picks, of course. We'll talk about that a little later. Packers-Vikings, Green Bay home opener, baby. Green Bay plays at Lambeau Field in five out of their next six games. Three in a row coming up, and it begins with the Vikings. Honestly, though, you look at that schedule... Five out of the first six, five out of their next six games all at home, not a fan. Not a fan. If you're playing that many games that early in the year at home, that can only mean what? Fill in the blank. Towards the back end, you're going to be on the road a lot. Not a fan of that. Especially, you want to you, you want that home field advantage in Lambeau. You want to have those five or six games in December when it's freezing. I mean, the two times that I've been to Lambeau, Both in October, Columbus Day weekend, I saw the Packers beat the Lions, and I saw the Packers beat the Rams before they became the LA Rams, St. Louis Rams. And what was most memorable, other than the cheese curds, because they were delicious, they lived up to the hype, was the fact that it was so hot both times. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the Rams game was the hottest game in October in Lambeau history. So here we are early on in the year, Green Bay playing a significant amount of their home games between September, October. Not a fan. But here we are, week two. Another, every game is important. This is another one for the Packers. They opened up against a divisional rival. They play another divisional rival here in the Vikings. And this is a game where we're really going to learn about the Green Bay Packers. We are going to be able to make a lot more predictions, assumptions after we see what happens in this Week 2 matchup. Green Bay's defense looked great in Week 1, but were they really that good? Or was Mitch Trubisky that bad? Because Mitch Trubisky didn't look like he belonged on an NFL field in Week 1. He looked lost, but the defense looked great. They have a humongous task this week. Against the Vikings in this offense. Kirk Cousins. He's got two great weapons. In Thielen and Diggs. Dalvin Cook. Who looked phenomenal. Dalvin Cook looked the best he's ever looked in the NFL in week one against the Atlanta Falcons. It's scary. You are going up against a legitimate offense. What can the defense do? Can they make the stops? Like they did all of week one. But it won't be easy. It won't be easy. And the Vikings are 5-1-1 in their past seven games against the Packers under head coach Mike Zimmer. And that's wins in Lambeau, in Green Bay, in 2015 and 2017. And let's not forget about that tie last season. Thielen and Diggs have both found have had tremendous games against the Packers since 2016. Since 2016, and you're going to hear me say this 
a couple times in this podcast. They've combined for five 100 receiving yard games against the Green Bay Packers. And again, let's not forget Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is the real deal. So what do the Packers need to do to win? How do the Packers win this game? Well, right off the bat, the offense needs to be better. If the defense plays as well as they did against Chicago, they're going to need help. They're going to need to score points. Because it's only a matter of time until Kirk Cousins leads the Vikings down the field. As a group, they need to be better. The offense needs to be better. And I think they have a real good potential of being better if they could get Aaron Jones going. If they could get the run game going, I think that opens up everything. You'll see a lot more play action. You'll see a lot quicker releases from Aaron Rodgers. When the run game's going, the entire offense is much better. Second key to victory, the fans got to show up. But if they do show up, which I know they will, I hope they listen to Aaron Rodgers earlier in the week say, hey, when we're on offense, I don't want to see the wave. And I agree with him. The wave stinks. It does absolutely nothing. The, the worst part of the wave is, right, you see the wave going on. It comes to you. Or you see people like fake do the wave. It, it does nothing. Let me get go pack go. Let me hear go pack go chant. Let me hear something. Get loud. Don't do the wave. That's weak. I agree with Rogers there. The wave is weak, so don't do it. If you're at Lambeau, don't do it. Number three, pressure. Pressure, pressure, pressure on the defensive side. The Vikings had a did an excellent job in week one of opening up holes for Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins didn't need to drop back much. Actually, he attempted 10 passes last week. But if you go back and you look when they forced Kirk Cousins to throw the ball, Atlanta got to him. Atlanta was able to force and get some pressure. Kirk Cousins didn't have to throw the ball much in week one because of how well that run game was going. And number four, you got to contain Dalvin Cook. You contain Dalvin Cook and force Kirk Cousins to throw the ball. You don't know what happens here. Again, it's not going to be easy. Because even if Kirk Cousins throws the ball, if he has the time, he's going to find Thielen. He's going to find Diggs. He's going to find Cook. Mike Zimmer wants to run the ball. He wants to run it a lot. That, that is his type of offense. Don't let them be comfortable. Don't let them get comfortable. That's what it comes down to. It's simple. I feel like saying all these keys to victory, real simple. <laughs> Executing, obviously not that simple. Not that simple. So in the debut of the podcast, I promised guests, right? I said two podcasts a week. The Thursday night game threw me off a little bit. But I said two podcasts a week, and the later end of the week, we'll have a preview. Earlier in the week, we'll recap. I'll give you... My, my weekly thoughts on all of the NFL. Things are going to get back into the normal routine now that Green Bay is playing on Sunday. But in that debut, I promise guests. I promise previews. And I delivered. Coming up next, we're going to preview this Packers-Vikings game with the senior manager of content for the Minnesota Vikings. Stay tuned. All right, to the hotline we go. Let's welcome our first guest ever to the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, senior manager of content for the Minnesota Vikings, Mike Wobshaw. You can follow him on Twitter, at Wobby. Mike, thanks for joining me. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
So, Mike, before we really get into football, I got to ask you a question because I promised the listeners and I promised myself that before every guest comes on, I have to ask them this one question. So here it is. Do you like cheese? Well, generally speaking, yeah, I like cheese, generally speaking, but I can't like it this week. You know better than that. Okay. Well, I respect the honesty there. What's your favorite cheese? Hmm. I kind of I think it depends what we're doing, but I think an underrated cheese is Munster cheese. Munster cheese. Okay. I, I think it's underrated. Yeah. I respect that. I respect that. All right. Let's get to the football though. The Vikings. The Vikings opened up this season with a convincing twenty-eight to twelve victory over the Falcons, and I really think Sunday was a great indication of what a healthy Dalvin Cook can be for this Minnesota team. Just talk about Cook's performance and how important he is to this team's success. Yeah, you know, Delvin's an interesting figure um, for the Vikings because um, whenever you watch him play, whether it's practice or games or you watch back at what he did at Florida State, I mean, you can see that he's a special player. He has um, a really good blend of speed and power, but the thing that really stands out about him is his speed. Uh, He's fast. And um, and he's very skilled. He's got nimble feet. And it's very easy to see that he's a special player. The reason I say he's an interesting figure for the Vikings is he's only played in 15 games for the Vikings and actually 16 now that we're, we got week one out of the way this season. And so the, the total production, um, you know, two plus seasons in doesn't stand out to you. But you got to consider he's only played in 15 games on a per game basis. His production is very, very good. So. Hopefully we can keep him healthy, and uh, because if he's healthy and he plays in all the games, he is going to be a difference maker for us for sure. Would you say this is the healthiest he's been since being drafted by the Vikings? Yeah, I mean, he was healthy when he was drafted, as far as I can remember, but then he got hurt in the first month of his rookie season. So since that point when he got hurt, yeah, this is for sure the healthiest he's been, and it, it's showing. It's showing on the field. It showed in training camp. It showed in the preseason game against Arizona when he broke off an 85-yard run, and it showed in week one when he had 111 yards and two touchdowns. One guy on the offense who didn't have to do much because of how well Dalvin Cook played is Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah. yeah. He, only, he only threw 10 passes. Are we? Should we anticipate Zimmer trying to implement this run, run, run? Is this the type of style that he's looking for? Uh, yes, for sure. He's looking to be an offense that establishes the run as physical and controls the clock because that style of offense is very complementary to what is the backbone of the team, which is the Vikings' defense. And um, and if, if the Vikings are a team that can run the ball, control the clock, and give up you know, 15, 16, 17 points a game, they're going to win a lot of games. Now, with that being said, I mean, it's 10 passes. I mean, 10 passing attempts in a game is just not going to happen very often. And when you look at how the game went, I mean, the Vikings blocked a punt on the first, after the uh, Falcons' first series, scored a touchdown, and then got three turnovers and scored touchdowns after all of those turnovers. So, I mean, they were up 28 to nothing in the, you know, early in the second half. And that's just not going to happen very much. But that's why we only ended up with, with 10 passes and we had 38 runs. Now, now, while it can't be that ratio, 38 to 10, it can be it can be close to that if you block it the right way and uh, and you get out to leads early, and, and I think that that'll be the goal. Now, two of Kirk Cousins' weapons on that offense, of course, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, have combined for 
five 100 receiving yard games against the Packers since 2016. What do you anticipate from those two on Sunday? Well, I think that's going to be dictated by what Green Bay does um, to defend Dalvin Cook. If Green Bay commits to stopping the run with numbers, then Diggs and Thielen are going to have opportunities to win on the outside. And if the protection is there, there's going to be big-time production from Diggs and Thielen. And that's no disrespect to Green Bay's secondary, which is improved and has good players in it. It's just the fact that Diggs and Thielen are each special receivers. And so if they both have opportunities to win on the outside, one of them at least is going to win. And if the protection is there, it's going to be good news for the Vikings. Now, if the Packers are are taking a more balanced approach to the Vikings' defense, um, then they're going to have a better opportunity and a better chance to neutralize or slow down Diggs and Thielen. The the blemish in that plan, though, is uh, you open yourself up to Dalvin Cook. And so um, it's going to be an interesting balance for Mike Pettin and the Green Bay Packers defense. The good news for those guys is Green Bay's got a lot of good players on defense, and Mike Pettin is going to try and do what he can to set the tone and make the Vikings offense respond to it. Um, so it's going to be a fun uh, chess match to watch on Sunday. Now, of course, there there were plenty of positive, mo- most pos- mostly positives in that week one victory. What kind of stood out to you, though, as a negative overall as for this Vikings team? Was there any particular position group or something that you noticed in that game? Too many penalties on our defense. Um, we, there was lots of um, neutral zone infractions and, um, and offsides, which uh, a few of them gave Atlanta first downs. Um, so I think that would be one thing that you really, really want to clean up. And then I think there were some alignment issues on special teams possibly, but I mean, it was, it was a pretty solid and clean game for the Vikings overall. So switching over to the defensive side during the off season, Anthony Barr, he's at first packing his bags and leaving Minnesota, then has a change of heart, comes back. Talk about Anthony Barr's role on this team. Yeah, I, I really think one of the more underrated stories in the offseason across the league and certainly, certainly for the Vikings was Barr returning. And the reason that is such a big deal is because it provides the defense with continuity, which, which they have a lot of. I mean, this group has been together virtually for all of Mike Zimmer's tenure. Um, and, you know, some of them joined in 2015, like Eric Hendricks and Trey Waynes um, and Daniil Hunter. You know, but Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin, Anthony Barr, uh, Linval Joseph, those guys have been with Zim since 2014. So there is great continuity in that group. Barr coming back, it was key because Barr is a very key component to what Zim wants to do on defense. Barr can blitz, Barr can cover, Barr can defend the run, and Barr wears the green dot on the helmet, so he calls the defense. He gets the signals from the coordinator. So he's, he's a key component to everything that Zim and the Vikings do on defense. So him coming back was a big deal. Here's a second reason it was a big deal. Barr coming back allowed the Vikings to really focus on the offensive line in the offseason when it came to free agency where they signed Josh Klein and to the draft where they drafted Garrett Bradbury in the first round. If Barr does not come back, there are going to be people – in the room saying, I know we need a center or a guard, but we also need an outside linebacker. And so the fix of the offensive line may not have happened in the manner it did had Barr not come back to the team. So I thought it had a ripple effect on the offense as well. 
You mentioned the Packers' defense and how impressive they looked in Week 1. Obviously, the Vikings' defensive unit, also very impressive in Week 1. What did they do well against Matt Ryan, and what do they need to do well to limit Aaron Jones and the Packers? Well, what the Vikings did well in Week 1 against Matt Ryan was they rushed the passer. And look, pass defense is the combination of rush and coverage. We always focus on the coverage when it comes to pass defense, the corners and the safeties. But pass defense is the combination of rush and coverage, and the Vikings' rush was very good on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. Now, they were buoyed by the crowd noise, of course, and the fast start by, um, you know, in terms of, of scoring off the punt block a couple of plays later and then scoring after every turnover. So that definitely aided the Vikings' defense. But the Vikings' defense played fast, and they got after Matt Ryan. He was never comfortable in the pocket, and that was key. Um, and, and really that, that forced the Falcons to go away from the running game, and they were down 28 nothing. They got past predictable, and the game was over um, at that point. And so I think for the Vikings, when it comes to Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers, it's kind of similar. If, if the Vikings can get after Rodgers and build a lead, it's going to take Aaron Jones out of the game. Aaron Jones is a good running back. Again, he can play on all three downs. Um, he's physical. He's a downhill runner, and, and he's a handful. But you can take him out of the game if you get after the passer and you get a lead, and that's what the Vikings are going to have to try and do. How did the Vikings stop Aaron Rodgers? Well, I don't, I don't think you can stop Aaron Rodgers. you got to try and find a way to, to slow him down, and I think the best way to do that is to make him uncomfortable. And I actually think, look, Aaron Rodgers can win from the pocket. No one will dispute that. I think he's dangerous. I think if he's given time to sit back in the pocket in rhythm, I think he will pick you apart. But I, I think he's great on the run. So I think the Vikings are going to have to really be smart in how they rush Rodgers. It's not just about lighting your hair on fire and getting after him and, and anything goes. You have to rush smart and you have to rush as a team. So everyone knows where the quarterback is going to be based on where the rush is coming from. It's not every man for himself. You have to rush as a team. You mentioned the safeties right before, and one safety that had a tremendous game, and he was named NFC Defensive Player of the Week, Anthony Harris. This is a guy who was undrafted back in 2015. You know, what has he done to to develop into the player that he's become now? Yeah, I mean, he, he, he made it the hard way. He came in as an undrafted player, was on the practice squad, cut his teeth on special teams, was a spot player on defense, and now he's the starter. So he's done it the right way. He did it the hard way and he's a really smart player. And when you're a smart player, you can play up to your speed potential because you're not thinking, and that's what Anthony Harris does. Any key injuries that we should be aware of? Uh, we're going to have to wait and see. You know, Pat Elfland's on the injury report, left guard. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander's our nickel corner. He is on the injury report as well. So I think those are two to watch perhaps, but the good news is the Vikings are going to have guys behind each one of those players who can step in and play. Dakota Dozier would probably be the left guard. He comes to us from the Jets where he was coached by our current offensive line coach, Rick Dennison. So the, the transition there is seamless for Dakota Dozier. And then um, if Mackenzie Alexander can't go, Mike Zimmer can mix and, mix and match a few players, including J. Ron Curse, who's listed as a safety but has the ability to play nickel. All right, Mike, finish the sentence here. The Minnesota Vikings win the game if? Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook have over 100 yards rushing. I think if, if that's the case for the Vikings on Sunday, um, I think any defense would have a hard time with Cousins, Diggs, and Thielen and Rudolph um, if you're also having to worry about the running game.
Before I let you go, game prediction. Oh, man. Well, um, you know, I, I, I don't like predicting things because I don't know what's going to happen, and it can always, you know, you always look back on it and you feel silly sometimes. I think even though both defenses look really good, I think there's the potential for points to be scored here. So I think we're looking at a, a game where both teams are, are sort of in those, those lower mid-20s. I think the Vikings are, are going to come out on top. I really felt good about how they played and looked against Atlanta. But I think the key is early in this game, you know, the Vikings were the beneficiaries last week of starting fast. Got a three and out, blocked a punt, scored a touchdown, and the Vikings were off to the races. This is the Packers' home opener, and they are coming off a victory as well. The Packers are going to come and play with great energy and great fire, and they may have an opportunity to punch the Vikings in the mouth early in this game. Atlanta did not um, survive that against us last week. The Vikings have to survive that if it happens to them at Lambeau Field to these Green Bay Packers, and I think that's going to be a key part of the game early on. Mike, go enjoy some Munster cheese. Thanks so much for stopping by. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Mike Wabshall, Senior Manager of Content for the Minnesota Vikings for jumping on the podcast and being the first guest. Again, I came through. I delivered. And you know what I liked about Mike a lot? He was able to play around right off the bat. Big Munster cheese guy. Underrated cheese. He kind of knew where I was going with that, though. He thought he thought I was maybe tricking him into say he's somewhat of a Packer, a Packer fan. He was thinking on his toes there. Make sure to give Mike a follow at Wabi on Twitter. Again, at Wabi on Twitter and Packers Twitter, please. Take it easy on him. Real good guy. But a lot of good stuff, and he really confirmed a lot of things that I said earlier in this podcast. The Minnesota Vikings are going to really look to run the ball. They want to run the ball. They want to control the clock. That is Mike Zimmer's MO. But at the same time, if the Packers decide to commit to the run, With numbers, press up at the line. Don't be surprised if Kirk Cousins is gonna get is gonna try and get the ball to Thielen or Diggs. The Vikings are coming into this game relatively healthy. As for the Packers, there's still still a little bit of uncertainty. It looks like everyone will be available. But in Thursday's practice, Jari Alexander out, David Bakhtiari out. Both of them return to practice on Friday. I'm sure they'll be labeled questionable come Sunday. I expect them on the field. And as for Wabi's prediction, he's saying a lot of points. He didn't give us a number. That's okay. But he's saying a lot of points, and the Vikings is escaping Lambeau with a win. As for me, though, I am really convinced, despite how poorly Mitch Trubisky played Thursday night, I am thoroughly convinced that this is a new defense for the Green Bay Packers. For the first time in a long time, you could depend on the defense to get stops. And Wabi said it best. I asked him, how, how do you stop Aaron Rodgers? And he said, you can't. you got to make him uncomfortable, but you really can't stop him. I think the offense gets going. I think Aaron Jones has a much better afternoon. You combine the two pieces, and I think the Packers escape this one. 27-24, move on to 2-0. Now, if this game was on the road, I'll be honest, I'd be leaning more towards the Vikings. But I really believe, after seeing that defense week one, and seeing how happy Aaron Rodgers was post-game, saying we finally have a defense, that it's kind of sparked something under him. And now it's his time to show the entire world that, hey, let's not forget about me. 
Because before this defense was around, I was always Mr. Reliable. I think you're going to see a fired-up Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. All right, time for my three picks of the week, which you'll probably not win. I hope you didn't listen to me last week because I went a, I went one and two. I had the Colts at plus six and a half. And shockingly enough, that was the pick I was least comfortable with. But they end up covering. The Jets, forget it. They looked great with a 16-0 lead. Somehow lose 17-16. And then Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, minus one. They completely fell apart. Didn't even come close. So one and two on week one. Not ideal. Let's see if I could turn things around. This week, I'm going to start with the Chicago Bears. Yeah, no, rival. I'm actually, I'm not rooting for the Bears, for but for this purpose, I'm taking the Chicago Bears minus two and a half against the Denver Broncos. This is probably going to be a very ugly game. So if you're scared about betting the spread, go with the under. Joe Flacco didn't look good. Mitch Trubisky didn't look good in week one. Both of these defense defenses could get after the quarterback. But I think Chicago's defense is better. I think Chicago's defense is better. I think Chicago's offense overall, they learned from their mistakes in week one. You're going to see a heavier dosage of David Montgomery, hopefully. If not, I don't know what Chicago's doing. And I think they're going to make sure that Mitch doesn't throw the ball or attempt to throw the ball nearly 50 times. So I'll take the Bears minus two and a half. My dog of the week, the Arizona Cardinals plus 13. Against the Baltimore Ravens. Do I think the Baltimore Ravens are better than the Arizona Cardinals right now? Yes. Absolutely, I do. Do I think the Baltimore Ravens could beat the Arizona Cardinals by basically two touchdowns? No. I don't think that. No. Baltimore was electric week one. They also played a minor league football team in the Miami Dolphins. And that's exactly why I'm not buying 13 points. That's a lot. That's way too much. I like what I saw from Kyler Murray late to bring his team back. I think he'll be mediocre at best. But I just don't think that Arizona, excuse me, that Baltimore is two touchdowns better than Arizona. So give me the points plus 13 Arizona. And finally, I am taking the Kansas City Chiefs minus seven against the Oakland Raiders. Patrick Mahomes is going to go and smack some reality into the Oakland Raiders here. No matter who's on that offense, as long as Patrick Mahomes is throwing the ball, it's going to be electric. They scored quick, and they scored a lot against Jacksonville. Expect the same here against Oakland. So again, my three picks, I am going the Chicago Bears minus 2.5, the Arizona Cardinals plus 13, and the Kansas City Chiefs minus 7. All right, that will wrap up this episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Joe. Double underscore, do not forget the double underscore, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. Let me know what you think of the podcast, what you hate, what you love. If you want me to stop doing the podcast, even though I will definitely won't listen to you and I'll continue to do this podcast. And some exciting news, remember now you can listen on the Stitcher Podcast app. Just, just search Sharp Chatter Podcast. We're there. Hopefully, we'll be on Apple iTunes coming soon. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy week two, and of course, go Pack Go.